thing at the bottom, and then shoot up to the ladder as fast as you can. And everything to me is a contest. I'm like, I'm going to kill everyone in this class. So, you know, the girl in front of me kind of goes, and she steps to the edge, and jumps in, and I'm like, you're lame. That's all I think. I shouldn't have said that. So it's my turn. So I dive in as hard as I can, hit the bottom, crouch down, and spring up. So I'm rocketing through the water so fast my eyes are closed. Anybody want to guess what happens? Yeah. The gal is not off the ladder yet, and I literally just face plant into her backside. Um, and I'm so, I'm so horrified. I didn't cry. I'm surprised I didn't. But I, I literally got out, off the ladder, walked out the pool gate, and never came back. Like, just <laughs> dropped the class. I think I went and got my T-shirt like a week later because I was so bummed. Um, can you do me a favor, Moss? Can you roll that card out here? So um, if you've ever taken a speech class, there's a couple rules you should know. You're supposed to have how many points is perfect three, and you're not supposed to use props. I have seven points, and I have props. So this is going to be a doozer for sure. I'm, I'm super excited. Um, and I do need a volunteer. So Jeff, since you laughed at me being short, why don't you come up? Yeah, give it up for Jeff. Actually, I like to pick on Jeff. Jeff is one of my heroes. He leads a life group with my son, Lincoln. Um, and my, my son, Lincoln, is a little bit taller than me, but he still like looks up to Jeff physically but also just kind of relationally going, man, this guy's so cool and what a hero. And so I love Jeff to death for what he does for my son. So um, uh, this won't be painful, but I need like a, a prop or a model. So you're going to be it, okay? <laughs> so here's the deal. We're going to have a little bit different talk tonight. We're going to talk about discipleship, okay? Now, here's what I hope is going to happen. For some of you, as I talk this through, there's going to be encouragement. And there might be affirmation. You might be going, man, those things he talked about, more than three, right? Because I got seven. Uh, I, I got them all in a, in a row. And if that's you, praise God. I'm excited for you. That's a great thing. Uh, some of you, it might be encouraging to go, man, I got like three of them, but I never thought of the other one. I, I never even listened. I was listening to, to Luke as he talked, and he said that thing, remember, about I was a Christian, but I had no idea what it meant. And so part of this journey is kind of learning and growing with Jesus. So I want to ask us for a minute, what is discipleship? You can think about it. Now, there might be questions I ask tonight. I'm not going to answer because I can't cover it all. Because when you cover discipleship, you got like all all facets of Christianity. I'm not going to explain them all. I mean, unless you want to be here until 10 o'clock or 1030 at night, but we won't do that. So I want you to think, what is discipleship? Anybody want to give it a shot? Maybe we can come up with like a, a group answer. It's not cheating. Brothers and sisters with Christ. Okay, that's part of it. Good, good job. You stole point number seven. Good job. What else? Learning. Yeah, so the core word disciple means a learner. Now, it's kind of a weird word. Do we use the word learner in today's culture? Not really. Like, are you a learner? I'm a learner at UTA. <laughs> like, try that when you go into class, see if you don't get beat up or made fun of. So what is the word we would use instead? I'm a student. So if you think about it, just, and I love your answer, in a real simple way, a disciple is a student, okay? So we want to talk through just kind of some of the parts to being a disciple. Um, I'm going to give you seven, and I'll be honest, I wish somebody had had this talk with me when I was your age. Because your age, I went to a Christian university, and there was no discipleship class. Um, and so I was kind of left to, like, figure it out on my own. And I wish someone had sat down and said, hey, let's talk about what it means to follow Jesus and what kind of plan you might come up with. Is that fair? So if you got Bibles, we're going to go through like seven passages. I got my reading glasses tonight. I had them last time, and I left them in my pocket. And I left here thinking, man, the lighting really stinks at the cornerstone because I couldn't, I couldn't read anything. So where do we get the word disciple from? It means learner, student. Where, where, where's the idea come from? What part of Scripture are we like seeing it in? 
Or why does it matter? You might be going like, hey, we're supposed to be following Jesus. What does discipling have to do with anything? Like, why, why would I say it matters? Okay, where did he say to do it? You're right. Matthew 8, 28, 29, he says, Go therefore into all the world and make, say it with me if you know it, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all I have commanded you. Okay? So I want us to think about discipleship, and when we talk about it, the first thing I, I believe we need is the gospel. Now, I don't want to put you on the spot. I, I heard someone talking about a week ago as a woman, and she used the word gospel like 20 times in her talk. And she used it as a verb, as an adjective, as a noun. And, and, and at the back of my head, I had to stop and scratch and go, what does she mean by gospel? When we follow Jesus, we gospel. The gospel brought me to Jesus. And I'm thinking, isn't the gospel Jesus? Like, how's the gospel bring it? But, but here's the deal. Instead of laughing at her, I want to ask you the question, what is the gospel? Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for its power and its salvation, but what is it? And, and here's the deal. How many of you have used the word gospel or heard the word used? Okay. Now, I, I love what Luke said. Luke talked about how we like, Luke, your, your intro is perfect for this. I'm just going to keep like stealing your stuff. It's great. Luke talked about the idea as Christians, we use certain words and we have no idea what they mean. Anybody ever do that? In fact, if you're going to start like a small group or Bible study, try to get a new Christian or a non-Christian in there because they don't put up with it. So if you're around a new Christian, use the word like, you know, the atonement and sanctification. They're going to raise their hand right away and go, what are you talking about? And, and odds are pretty good. Some of you are going to be like, I have no idea. They just sound really good in a sentence and make me sound holy. Okay? So I want you to think, what is the gospel? What is it? The good news. Is there bad news involved with the good news? Yeah, because when you go to non-Christian go, Jesus saves. They're like, saves me from what? So you got to have the bad news with it. What does he save us from? Our sin. The wages of sin is death. It's called, we don't want to like say the word, it's called hell. Okay, you can say that word. It's part of presenting the gospel. And so the wages of sin is death, but God has a plan from since the beginning. What's his plan? Does it sound really basic to you? Yeah, it should. Okay, so he sends his son. His, sin, his son lives the perfect life dies in our place, rises from the dead, therefore conquering sin and death. That's the gospel. Now, most people, when they think about the gospel, they think about a life jacket. Have you ever heard the expression, like, I was drowning in my sin? I'm not sure I'm going to do this with a mic, but it's okay. Here we go. So most people think about a life jacket. So someone's drowning in their sin, and, and what do you do with a life jacket? You toss it to him. So you're drowning. Good catch. So what does he do? He's, he's going to grab onto the life jacket. He's going to get to shore with it. Come on to shore. Come on out. I'm going to help you out of the water. Good, good. And then here's, here's the problem. What's your name, by the way? Christian. Christian, nice to meet you. Oh, good name for my lesson. <laughs> he's a Christian now. Yeah, let's baptize him. Now, most people, when they come out of the water with a life jacket, what are they going to do? What are you going to do with that life jacket? You, you've been saved. You haven't drowned. What are you going to do with that thing? Yeah. You're going to toss it you're going to toss it on the ground, right? Cuz you're saved. Now, here's the problem. A lot of people do that with the gospel. They say Jesus is the power to save the, the, the gospel is the power that saves us. But when they get saved, they're like, yeah, I'm done with that. Now, I'm going to do what Luke said. I'm going to wait for to die in a fiery car crash and go to heaven. So, if we're going to be disciples, thank you, Christian. You're saved. If we're going to be disciples, what do we need to do with this life, the gospel? Okay, check it out. Jeff's our model. Yes. Love it. 
So 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through you got to snap it up. Like, you're proud to wear that thing. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 11 says, For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care. Did you hear Luke allude to that? Is there a judgment for Christians at the end? Yeah, there's a judgment where what you've done gets burned up with fire, and Paul's going to talk about that. But he says, each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is... Got it? It's the gospel. Okay? So as we walk with Jesus, if we're going to be disciples, we have to have the gospel on all the time. Does the gospel apply to every part of our life? Does it, does it apply to, like, dating? Now, some of you are like, oh, yeah, it applies to dating, but what it means is i got to find a Christian wife. Guys or girls, don't fall for that lie. If, if you get attracted to someone and they're attracted to you and you come out one day at a date and say, you know, I can only marry a Christian, and then the next line is, are you a Christian? Guess what they're going to say? <laughs> yeah. It's like fishing. They throw out the hook with the lure and the bait, and they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. I know so many couples this happened to and then they get married, and they're like, yeah, I'm a Christian. Let's get married in the church. And then about the fourth Sunday into the marriage, what are they doing? Yeah, I'm checking out of that thing. Give me sports like Luke said. Like, I'm not going to church with you. So you got to be very careful. Here's what the gospel says about dating. Some of us in our dating mind, I remember before I met my wife, my dating mind says, I need someone that will fulfill me. I need someone that will satisfy me. I need someone to share not just physical but intimacy with. And the gospel says what? You have that in Jesus Christ. And so now when you're looking for a maid or a spouse, you're not looking to get fulfilled. You're looking, saying, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to be a disciple following the gospel at the end of my days. And who is a helpmate I could do that with? Do you see how radically different that is? And so as we, as we follow Jesus' disciples, we have to hang on to the gospel. Now, right there in the, in, the, in the Great Commission, he says, make disciples. So we got that. We got the gospel. So you're a disciple now. You're hang- I love how you're hanging on to it. That's great. And so what, what he says teaching them. So what else does a discipleship involve? If you're going to be taught, what are you doing? You're learning. Like some of us, you know, and and I know we say this, like the gospel is so simple, you can just present it and here's the gospel. and, And that's great. The gospel has the power to save. But once you're saved, what does God call you to do? To learn. Right? And he said that. He said, go into the world, make disciples, teaching them to obey all I have commanded. Now, here's the deal. What if he had just said, teach them all I have commanded? How much would that be? How much did Jesus command? Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. There's four books there. Now, some of you are smart out to go, yeah, but Jesus is part of the Trinity. So anything Paul said, like the Holy Spirit said, okay, fine, I'll give you that. And what about the Old Testament? Because God was there. Okay, fine, I'll give you the whole Bible. Now, Here's the trick. How long would it take to teach someone the whole Bible? Not that long. Not long at all. We could do a seminar. We could sit down, and I could just start going through it, and we could do it. But here's what. He didn't say teach them the Bible. What did he say? Teach them to obey. How long would it take me to teach you the game of golf, all the rules of golf? could have a two-hour seminar. But how long would it take me to teach you how to play golf? A lifetime. Because now I'm saying, well, it depends on what golf course you're on. It depends on the wind. It depends on the weather. It depends on what kind of clubs you're using. And so Jesus is saying, teach him to obey all I've commanded. Like, it's a lifetime. You'll never be done. And, and so for the learning, I want us to think, well, first of all, you've got to have a Bible. 
I mean, that, that goes without saying. But, but I want you to think about learning. So this is Violet's backpack. It's a really heavy, thank you very much, heavy backpack. So why don't you throw that on because now you're a learner, okay? <laughs> you're a student. So here goes Jeff walking into UTA going, I'm a learner at UTA. <laughs> now, what do you guys think when you think of learning? Because raise your hand if you're in school right now or in like studying or that mode or whatever. How many of you like that's a pleasant experience? You're studying, and you have homework, and you have quizzes. Listen to what Jesus says. Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you, and what? Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Check this out. Jesus is saying that when you learn from him, you will find rest for your souls. Some people kind of manipulate, like, all you need is Jesus, and you're just going to have rest and kick back. Really? Is that what he said? He said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, and these things will happen, and you will find rest for your souls. Here's why. You ready for this? Because you and I are broken and messed up, and we're going through this creation that's broken and messed up, and we're trying to figure out how to live and what to do. And the designer and the creator and sustainer of the entire universe comes along and says, hey, I made it. How about I tell you how to live and walk in this world? And all of a sudden, we begin to experience joy, and we have rest, and we go, man, that thing I was trying to do and fight against and figure out on my own, like, this is what he meant. And so we're being disciples, and so the question is, do you have the gospel, and are you learning? And if you're not learning, then something's wrong. Now, here's the thing. When you learn, how are you going to learn? What's the best discipleship program? Yeah, give a little shout-out for Cornerstone. Um, it's not, it's not the best. There's one better. Actually, two better. What would they be? Best discipleship program ever. What? What? Jesus is always a safe answer in Cornerstone. Yeah? <laughs> now, think about this. If Jesus comes to you in the flesh and says, hey, Luke, Aaron, I want you to walk with me for three years, and here's what we're going to do. We're going to eat and sleep and tell jokes, and when you burp, I'm going to laugh at it, and I'm going to teach you, and I'm, we're going to do miracles, and I'm going to say, like, is that not the best discipleship program ever? So I want to just say, that's, that sounds awesome. That's the best one. However, in this lifetime, that's not going to be available to you. Is that a bummer? Not really, because Jesus came and did that with 12, and then what did he do? He says, now that you're disciples, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to do the same program again. So here's the deal. If you're going to learn, you have to have someone to teach you. Now, who, who might you look for to teach you? Uh, no. In fact, uh, well, I, okay, I can teach here. But I'll be honest. I've had people come to me and say, hey, will you disciple me? And, and I'll be honest, these seven things I'm talking about, if these seven things aren't going on, I'm like, no, nope, I don't think so. Because I don't think you can just have one of these things and ignore the others. So here's what I want to challenge you. And this might sound weird at your age, because your world is a lot of people what age? 20s, probably, 20s, a couple teens, get the 19s, but you're like, they're not really in college yet, they might drop out. So, you know, you take the 20s, right? So, you got the 20s, but, but listen, who do you think should be teaching you? How about a bunch of 20s, how about right now, if you guys sat around and told me all you know about marriage? <laughs> how hard do you think I would be listening? Not very hard at all. Like, Aaron, you can spout off all you want about, well, you know, when I get married, and I'll be like, what do you mean when you get married? You're not married right now. Or how about if I got my child and I'm disciplining Lincoln down in Mexico, and you walk up to him and you go, let me tell you how to discipline a child. I'm going to be like, Tim, get out of my face, man. I'm going to discipline you. So listen. <laughs> Did I say that? 
Inside thought, inside thought. Sorry about that. Titus 2, 1 through 3. So this is Paul. Did Paul have younger men he taught? Barnabas, Silas, Timothy. Like he had, he had a realm of them. Now listen to this. Titus 2, 1 through 3. However, you must teach. Oh, so he's talking to Titus going, you must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men. So we got these older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. Is that the kind of guy you want to learn from? Absolutely. Likewise, women, you're not off the hook. Teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanders. Now, slander, we, we listen to that word and go, I'm not a slander. What does slander mean? Gossip. Is gossip just a girl problem? No, guys, we gossip, and we don't do it like quite as fruitful. We just say things like, hey, you know, pray for Tim. You know, Tim's got that <laughs> thing in his armpit. You know, just kind of praying about it. And then he says, teach them not to be slanders or addicted to too much wine, but to what? What are the women supposed to do? Teach what is good. These are older women, older men, and they're called to teach. And so I want to challenge you guys, and this one's a little tricky. So to remind you that if you're going to be taught by someone older, what are you implying? That you're younger. Okay, so I got this pacifier. How about you, you clip that on? You don't, have to, you don't have to put it in your mouth. If you, want to, hey, if you do want to put it in your mouth, it's brand new. I bought it at Walmart this morning. This is, this is good. We're going to see if Jeff's ready for fatherhood here. This is awesome. Give a guy a pacifier and watch him go, uh. All right, there he goes. Now. And as a guy, he's like, ah, oh, just give it to the baby. It was on the floor. It doesn't matter. Now, listen up. If, if you're going to be discipled by someone older, you have to have an attitude. Jesus says, if you're going to come to me, you come to me as a what? A child. And so you need to be going to someone. And, and here's what you don't want to be doing. You don't want to have the whole, I know, I know, I know. Have you ever taught someone like that? You're like teaching what you're doing. Like, I know, I know. And pretty soon you're like, well, if you already know it, why am I teaching you? Get out of here, right? And so you have to have an attitude that says, hey, I want to learn. And I love the idea of a pacifier because sometimes if you're learning, what do you need to do? You need, yeah, be quiet. That's better than what I was about to say. Thank you. I like be quiet. And so, and so we need to be learning from older people. Now, here's the challenge. In your life, there may not be a lot of older people. Now, right away when I say it, some of you are going, well, I got Steve. Steve's older. Okay, listen. Steve's older. Steve's a good guy. How many Steves do we have? One Steve and an awful lot of you guys. So, so it could be, and also Steve's a guy. And, and ladies, what did it say? Older women teach the younger women. And I know one thing Steve's been working on is trying to get like older women to come in here and drink coffee. When you see them in here, that's intentional. That's Steve going, I have a plan for discipleship. It's super important. Now, some of you might need to go to Steve and say, hey, Steve, is there someone you know that I could learn from? And guess what Steve's going to say? His face is going to light up like, oh, you're not making me do it. Like, awesome. And he wants to connect you out in the church. Here, here's the deal. There's older women, men and women. They need that because they're over here in their corner because I'm, I'm with them. Like, I'm older, okay? I'll just admit it. They're over here in a corner, and, and they're having these dark thoughts from Satan that say, I'm irrelevant. Nobody wants what I have. I'm, not, I'm no good anymore. Maybe their kids are out of the house. And imagine when someone young, beautiful like you, comes up to them and says, hey, would you be willing to teach me about following Jesus and what discipleship is? What's that going to do in their life? 
It, it's transformational. It's not just for them, for you. It's for them as well because they're going to grab their Bible and go, yeah, I'm going to teach. And so what am I going to like? It, it's going to change the world and it's going to be, begin to connect. Here's the other thing it's going to do. It's going to honor scripture because you might, you might be going like, I don't want someone older because they're like doofuses and they wear plaid shirts and like reading glasses. And like, why would I want that? But here's the deal. Whether you like it or not, whether our culture says that older people and younger people mix, what does the Bible say? This is, this is how we do it, and so we submit to what God's Word said. Now, so you got, you got, you got the gospel, you got learning, you got someone older. Uh, what about obedience? Because Jesus says teaching them to what? Obey. Obey. Now, when you think of obedience, what do you think of? Smiles or frowns? I think of spankings. I got spanked a lot growing up. You know, my parents were like, what's this spanking for? For being disobedient, Dad. You know, I'm like, whack. I get that big old whack. Um, so I want you to think about obedience and, and what it says to us. Uh, Matthew 7, 24 through 25, I'm going to paraphrase. Jesus says, anyone who hears my words and puts them into practice. You guys know this verse? Come on. Okay, everyone up. Let's go. Everyone up. Get up. Come on. You're getting a little sleepy anyways. I still got some time. All right, we're, I'm going to teach you a song. I'm going to put down the mic. I don't know what that does to what y'all are doing. But. All right, here we go. Hands out. Ready? I'm going to teach you this verse. Ready? If you know this, raise your hand. Anybody know where I'm going? Are you serious? That's horrible. All right, here we go. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. Pastor, we're not like old. The wise man built his house upon the rock, and the rains came a-tumbling down. Y'all know it now? The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. The rains came down, and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. You guys don't know this? All right, sit down, sit down. So what does Jesus say? He says that when you hear his words and you obey them, does he say if you hear my words? I mean, a lot of you guys, have, raise your hand if you listen to podcast sermons or live stream. I don't know how y'all do it. Now, some of you are like, oh, that's great. If all you do is listen, like, doesn't do any good, right? If all you do is listen, if this is just a book club, if we come here every Thursday night and go, man, what's Steve going to teach us tonight? We listen and go, that was good. Woo-hoo. Walk out the door, do everything the way we want to. Does that do any good? Jesus says, whoever hears my words and puts them into practice is like a wise man who wants to be wise, not, not wise mouth, but wise, is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock. We go back to rock, what are we talking about again? The foundation that Paul was talking about? It's the gospel. You see how this all ties together? And he says, when the storms come, he doesn't say if the storms come. And I don't know your lives. There's people in here who probably have had more storms than I have, even at your age. I get it. But when the storms come, what's going to happen to our life if we've built it on Jesus Christ by obeying? It's going to stand. Here's the deal. Jesus doesn't say, obey me because I'm a killjoy. Jesus says, I want you to obey me so when the hard times come, you're going to stand with me. I don't want you falling apart. If you finish the rest of the song, it talks about the foolish man builds his house upon the sand, the rains came down, and the house on the rock goes smash. So here's what obedience is. Obedience is really about building. So I'm going to pull out these super sweet, can you hold my bag again, that, that, that green thing, thank you. So these are my super sweet tool bags, yes. I don't think another man's ever worn my super sweet tool bag, so Jeff, Ooh. wow, they don't come out of the bag. So Jeff, if you can get these on, these are the super sweet tool bags. All right. 
And we got to give you a little, you know what this is, right, Josh? Yeah. Who said Speed Square? Nice, bro. I like that. Here you go. You got to put the Speed Square in. Okay, if you were on my job putting, your, putting that belt on like that, we would. <laughs> there you go. It looks a little better there. You're looking good, bro. We need to get a picture. I'm going to want a picture at the end. So here's the deal. If we're going to be in discipleship, we have to be obeying. We have to be building our house on God's rock. Okay? And so we, we got the obeying. We got the older person. Now, what else do we need? We need tools. Yeah, we, you know what? We give up a whole lesson on what are the tools in your tool bag. I, I'm not that smart, so I didn't do that. So that's fine. What else do we need? And, and, and I hope right now as I'm talking, there might be a few of you going, man, I've heard about discipleship, but I've never really kind of thought at this level. If, if you want to follow, what might you need? What's that? Belief. Yeah, you got to have belief or you wouldn't have the gospel. You wouldn't, you wouldn't put the gospel on if you didn't believe it. So yeah, amen to that, right? Whoever, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you will be saved. It's the gospel. That's what we're talking about. Luke kind of talked about it. He talked about uh, man comes up with what? Plans, but God directs the steps. Now, here's the deal. It says God directs the steps. Does that mean the plans are bad? No, in fact, we need plans. These are plans right here. Me and Steve were looking at a project. Oh, they got bent. Sorry, man. I bent your plans. So you need plans. So if you're going to be a disciple, listen to me. You need to come up with a plan. Okay? If you go to an older person or if you submit to Steve as part of the study here, you can't just say, well, whoever's up there, they need to come up with a plan for me. You remember what Luke said about like a 10-year plan and a 5-year plan? And you guys know how to plan. You wouldn't be here tonight if you didn't know how to plan. Those of you in college, you know a plan. You had a plan. You're going through with it. Those of you looking for a spouse, do you have a plan? Are you just going to like show up at a bar one night and go, hey, who wants to marry me? <laughs> that's the stupidest plan. That's how, it's how half our culture lives, but that's a really stupid plan. And so if you want to be discipled, you have to have a plan. Here's what Jesus says about it. Now, this is where it gets a little bit serious. Watch this. Can you hold my plans? Actually, they're your plans. Jesus says, Luke 14, 28 through 30, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? Isn't that weird for Jesus to say that? He's talking about following him and being disciples. He says, okay, before you jump on the bandwagon, let's see if you really have what it takes. He says, for if you lay the foundation, there's the foundation word again. What is the foundation, Jeff? You're wearing it. The gospel, awesome. For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. Now, at your guys' age in life, I hope you haven't encountered this a lot. I have. I've seen so many people who set out saying, man, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to give my life. I've seen people get baptized, and years later, they're, they're gone. And I don't know that they ever had a plan. And here's what I suspect happens. I think Luke's testimony pointed out. They said things like, man, I followed Jesus, but I had no idea what was going on. I followed Jesus, and I heard all these things about my sins will be forgiven, and my sins will come off like a bird, and I'll be healed from everything. But I'm still doing that thing in the middle of the night I shouldn't be doing. Apparently, Jesus isn't working for me. And i got to challenge and say, if you haven't tried to plan, if you haven't said, what does it mean to follow Jesus and to learn and to cling to the gospel and to learn from someone older and to actually obey and not just talk about it, I don't think you can fairly say it's not working. Because Jesus didn't just come and say, let me give you some chaos and see how it works out for you. Nor did Jesus say, hey, pray a little prayer, and then one day I'll meet you in heaven after a fiery crash. I'm not driving with you ever. Like that was, <laughs> that was bleak, man. That was super bleak. 
And so we got to have a plan. So we got our plan. We got the gospel. We got obedience. And, and then I want to talk about this. I want to talk about accountability. Now, when I say accountability, what's like the first word that comes to mind? Like, you know, word association? Okay, you guys don't know. Okay. When I say peanut butter, what do you think of? Okay, you guys are good. When I say, oh, man, I'm old enough. Like all the ones I'm thinking of, you wouldn't understand. When I say Monty, what do you think of? You guys know Monty Python? Like, holy... Okay, you guys are, like, cooler than I thought. That's awesome. Last time I said you were worthless, tonight I said you're cooler, you know, and so I rolled. Anyways, so usually when we think about accountability, what's the word that goes with it? Partner. You have a partner, and then what do you do? What's accountability about? What? Don't sin. Okay. No, I, I agree. I've been in that. In fact, here's what the accountability looks like. There's, there's two guys on a bridge, right? And I walked up to Jeff, and I hand, hold, I hand you a rope, and I tie it around my waist, and I say, Jeff, you got to hold on to my rope, and I jump off the bridge. <laughs> that's, that's sin accountability right there. And so I'm, I'm, I'm down below going, Jeff, you know, I struggle with something. you got to check in on me and see if I'm doing it or not. And so Jeff's like calling me all the, have you been in this? Jeff's calling all the time going, hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing? And then Jeff doesn't call. And what do I do? I go out and do it. And the next day I'm like, it's your fault. You didn't call. Now, here's the deal. There's, there's times in life we need that kind of accountability. Sometimes in life you should handcuff yourself to another believer and just say, like, hang out with me for 48 hours because I'm not an idiot. Okay? <laughs> but, but real accountability, does Jesus ever come into the world and say, my goal for you is not to sin? Like the verses we're reading is he's saying, my goal, the biggest goal I have is all the do-nots in life. No, the do-nots are there to guide us back to the do's, right? And so think about accountability instead of just like not sinning. Think about accountability as like I'm in relationship with people so that I can follow Jesus. Here's accountability, Hebrews 10, 23 through 25. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. What is that hope? It's the gospel, Right? Let us hold to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. And let us consider, watch this, how we may spur one another on towards love. Now, I'm not going to talk to girls here. I'll talk to guys. What do spurs do? They hurt. So spurs, you wear them on the back of your boots. And real cowboys would actually sharpen them. And when you wanted that horse to giddy up, you take your boot and you kick it as hard as you can into the rib cage of that horse. And when that, when that sharp spur stabs him, what does the horse do? Now, I don't know how girls follow Jesus, so I'll just kind of like back off here. But guys, what do we often need from other guy believers? We need spurs. Like, dude, what are you doing? Get on and do what you need to be doing. Not really. Okay, don't go and stab anyone. Wow. Spur one another on towards love and good deeds. You hear what he said? He didn't say spur each other away from sin. He didn't say spur each other away from doing bad stuff. He said spur one another on towards good deeds and love. Not giving up meeting together. How important is meeting together? Like a lot of the faces here, I see you guys here all the time when I'm here, and that's incredible because you haven't given up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Don't point, but some of you when I say, like, yeah, so-and-so, they don't make it a habit. They kind of give up. And here's the deal. Do Do we razz on them? No, what do we do? We spur them on to good deeds. And so, like, we might drive to the house and go, hey, you haven't been at Merge for a while? You're going to get in my car, and you're going to go right now. Well, I don't want to. I don't care what you want. Like, I'm going to spur you on. Yeah, shotgun style. I like that. That was good. <laughs> All the more as you see the day approaching. And so we need accountability. So my version of accountability right here is uh, a clipboard. 
And so we just kind of got like, you know, here's what it means to follow Jesus. And hey, Aaron, how's it going, man? How's your walk with Christ? Cool. You're getting full there. Oh, you got tool bags to hold it all. I love it. And then the final one, final one I want to talk about is community. How important is community in discipleship? Did Jesus ever say, let's be Lone Ranger Christians? What's the first problem we see recorded in the Bible? Yeah, God makes everything. He says, it's good, it's good, it's good. Now, this is ironic. And then he sees Adam alone. He says what? It's not good for man to be alone. Now, here's the deal. Was Adam alone? He had God. In fact, we read later that God would come down and walk in the cool. Listen, I'm going to choose some of you out because it's me. Some of you, your perfect idea of a walk with God is just to be alone with him. You're like, man, if God came down every evening and I could just read my Bible alone and just me and him pray, and if all these Christians would get out of my life with all their drama and all the hassles, just me and God, like this would be a great relationship. I've done that. In fact, I'll I'll be honest, that's what our culture teaches. Our culture says what? Read your Bible and pray. Did you have your quiet time today? Nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. But, But God looks down and he sees Adam in that situation. What does he say to him? It's not good for man to be alone. So we need to be in community. Now, how important is community? If, if you want the world to know you're a disciple, how are you going to prove it? Yeah, you got the notes back there, smart guy. It says, Jesus says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. He doesn't talk about t-shirts. He doesn't talk about bumper stickers. He doesn't talk about where you're hanging out Thursday night or Sunday morning. He says, if you love one another. So it's huge. You want to be a disciple now, fortunately, you don't have to go in the get-up like I've got Jeff wearing, because that would be ridiculous. Everyone would be like, oh, there's one of those Jesus disciples. <laughs> Woo! No, but he says, if you love one another, that's what's going to do it. Now, what is apologetics? Anybody know? Whoa, the what? Defending of the faith. Uh, any books about apologetics or famous apolog... Uh, what do you call an apologetician? A what? Ah, you guys are in college. That's good. Apparently, I didn't finish or something. I don't know. Apologist. So, what, what's, what's good apologetics? You want to know what the greatest apologetics are? In fact, the way to prove that God sent Jesus to earth? Guess what it is? John 17, 20 through 21. My prayer is not for them alone. So, this is Jesus in the upper room praying for his what? Disciples. He says, I'm not praying for them. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Who is he talking about? This is us. This is the students, the learners, the disciples. Jesus says, I'm praying about them. Now watch this. That all of them may be one. So we're talking about unity, just as you are in me and I am in you. Watch this. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Jesus says, our unity, a bunch of broken, messed up humans actually getting along in today's world becomes proof that God sent Jesus to earth, that the gospel is true. And so in community, we begin to prove it. So I want to close with this. Uh, One of the greatest passages on, I I was hoping Will I Am would be here tonight, but he's not. Um, You guys know what the Shema is? Shema, what's the Shema? Yeah, so so in Hebrew, the first words, hear, O Israel, Shema Yisrael, and it's Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. So if you've got a Bible, turn there. I want us to look at this together. Oh, I need a prop for you. Okay, so here's, like, tuck all that under your arms or something. <laughs> so we got to have you in some community. So Tim, why don't you come up? Or Johnny, I'm sorry. Johnny, Tim, come on up, hold a hand. Each of you take one of Jeff's hands. All right, so we got Jeff in community now. Sweet. 
I should have had Tim in some sweet spurs and he could like spur him on. <laughs> wow, that's great. All right, let's close with this. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. I want you to listen to an old, old school picture of discipleship. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. If you guys want to study some awesome theology, study the Shema. Good Jews say this twice a day. In fact, Jesus, being a good Jew raised by Joseph, what would he have done? He would have been out saying the Shema, okay? So twice a day, a good Jew, their prayer in life is that when they die, guess what the last words on their lips are? The Shema. And I want you to listen to the theology and the discipleship in this verse. Hear, O Israel... Oops, I got lost. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. Anyone ever hear that? What's it called? The greatest commandment, according to Jesus. With all your soul and all your might. And these words I command you today shall be on your heart. Watch this. You shall what? Teach them diligently to your children and talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise. Okay, if I'm talking about something when I get up, when I lie down, when I walk on the way, and when I rise, what is, what is he describing? Community. You're doing life together. Now, I want to challenge some of you. Some of you, this may be the part where you need to really think about community. I know we have discipleship housing, but some of you are like, okay, I go to church on Sunday morning, and then I come to merge on Thursday night, and then let's pick one more thing off the board. I go to the q and I heard Gary did it the other day. Was that good? Awesome. Okay? But, but here's the deal. What's he describing here? This is doing life together. So showing up two or three times a week saying, I'm going to be in discipleship and in community. Like, I don't know how to say it kind, so I'm not. It's not cutting it. Because here's the deal. We can sit here and talk and study this till we're blue in the face. We could have a talk about anger. I could give a great talk about anger. And if me and Tim are doing life together, guess what might happen during the week? One of us gets angry and we have to look at each other and go, oh, we had that talk, didn't we? Or better yet, I'm around Tim and I'm like, man, Tim heard the talk, Aaron heard the talk, and so I'm ready to blow up and I'm like, oh, there's my brothers with their spurs and shotguns waiting to get me. <laughs> and so I'm just going to pipe it down a little. And then he says, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontals between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. And so he says, everywhere you go, you have things pinned up to remind you. Now, they called these phylactics. These were like little boxes they would wear on their head. Um, I should have brought one. That would, that, would, that would be like the crowning glory on Jeff. We just like stick some verses right there. But what would a modern version of that be for us? What's, what's something that, that you can go around with just to remind you? Flashcard? Yeah, some of you guys, like, like I, I, I do my verses in the morning. I write one on a note card, and then I'll stick it in my pocket. And it's with me all day. That's a great one. What else? Bracelets, jewelry. I, I'll, I'll be honest, and if you're against tattoos or if Steve is, I'm sorry, but I think tattoos can be a great way to do it. I've seen people with verses, like she's holding out her cross, going, hey, that thing is always with me. Now, like, don't put it in your forehead because that's just <laughs> going to get messed up. So here's what I want to do as we close. we got, like, five minutes. I want you to think about a couple questions. First of all, do you know what discipleship is? Okay. And, and, and I hope you don't know it just because I babbled about it, because that's not enough. It's like a broad thing. And if you don't know what it is, then I would say, like, go do some research and say, you know, what are all the verses? Great way to research. Go to, like, Bible Gateway, look up Disciple, and find all the verses that talk about it. What is the gospel? 
You guys remember Gary about three months ago, he was preaching, he goes, all of you should be able to say what the gospel is. And he said something about it. he has a 10-second version and a 30-second version and a, how many? I, I actually had a friend that went home on the podcast and timed it. And, and it, it turned out to be 12 seconds because he paused in between. But if you took out the pause, the guy had it right at 10 seconds. Like, and I'm like, you're the biggest sermon nerd I've ever met. Like, you study, you know, to see if it's 12 seconds. So what is the gospel, and do you know what it is? Because if you're going to, like, not be ashamed of the gospel, if you're going to cling to the gospel, if you're going to apply the gospel to every situation in your life, you better know what it is, right? And, and so we think about, are you clinging to the gospel? We think about learning. Are you learning? Are you learning things? Are you studying? And you can study God's words. Can you study other books as well? Absolutely. You can go to sermons. You can do podcasts. What do they need to be centered around, though? The gospel, right? Because Jesus says, teaching them to obey all I have commanded. Now, here's the big one, and some of us have to be honest. How about obedience? Because some of you, you might be like, man, I'm studying, and I'm learning, I'm going to this, and I'm going to that, and I got the gospel. But if I said, well, how's obedience working in your life? And it could be that you're doing really good on 10 things, but you got this one thing over here you just know you need to obey on. It's like you're building a house, but you got this closet in the back, and you're like, that's my closet. I invited God into my house, but that closet back there, like, you know, it's the guest closet. Like, we just cram everything in there when company's coming over and no one goes in. Some of you, and it might be a sin, you need to walk in that closet, you need to grab that thing by the scruff of the neck, and you need to drag it, kicking and screaming out into the light and say, Jesus, this, this is what's going on. And here's the beautiful thing. Does he already know it? Like, we're idiots. We think we can hide this thing in the closet? Jesus is like, I, I know it's in there. I'm just waiting for you to drag it out. Because when you drag it out, the power it gives you and Jesus over that sin is amazing. I'm not saying it's going to go away 100%, but when you're willing to confess it in front of others, you experience healing. And so we got obedience. How about learning from someone older? I'm just going to go out on a limb here and say most of you probably aren't doing that. I'll be honest. I'm not doing that. I'm 48 years old, and as I was getting ready, I was kind of telling my, I was telling my wife about props, and she rolled her eyes and said, that's a really dumb idea. Um, <laughs> but, but she said to me immediately, because she's like, you know what, who cares about the props? Do you have someone older in your life? And guess what my answer was? I don't. So I'm confessing right now, I don't have someone older in my life that's, that's pouring and, and teaching me, and so I need to repent of that. I'm not bragging and saying it's okay, and I need to go out and find someone, as do you if you don't. Uh, we also got, what do we got? We got the plan. Like, you know, I, I loved what Luke said about the five-year plan and the 10-year plan. Some of you have graduate school plans and how to get married plans. Let me ask a question. Do you have a plan of what it means to walk with Jesus and be discipled? And, and here's the deal. You can't just wait for someone else to do it. When you're little, it works out. My kids are in my home, and we have a plan, and we're doing it, and it's okay to go along for the ride. But when my daughter hits UTA, she's got to start coming up with a plan. And I'm not ignorant. Some of you grew up in homes where there was no plan. Mom and dad were maybe nominal. I mean, the thing Luke described, and he's turning to Jesus a year ago, basically. Is that fair to say? There's men in their 40s and 50s who still go to church, and they haven't done it yet. And so it's not like you can just say the people over you necessarily are going to do it for you. And then finally, accountability. You have a way just to kind of go through and say, man, how am I doing? How's it going? And then finally, community. And I love that we get to talk about this here. This would be the dumbest message if it was just one-on-one. Like first, it'd be awkward. I'd be preaching like, why are you preaching? Just talk to me. Like, you don't need jokes. You don't need points. You don't need props. But here's the deal. If it was one-on-one, I'd be like, like, what's the point? But I'm looking around, and I know there's relationships in there. And I want to challenge you. If you don't have those kinds of relationships, you need at every level to push harder and faster to what does it mean to do life together. You guys have a glorious opportunity right now. You guys have a thing called roommates. You're, you're in this kind of place of freedom. When you get married, that's going to change. 
I know so many married people like, oh, I miss my roommates. I miss like going to, you know, in and out at three in the morning, whatever you do. I love in and out. Maybe you don't. Um, and, and so I want to just do this. I want to pray for you guys. I, I hope this is more of an encouragement than a, hey, chewing you out or saying you're not doing it. But let's pray and then uh, we'll hang out. Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you first and foremost for the gospel. We thank you that everything we talk about tonight is, is born from and created in and maintained and ultimately ends. You're the Alpha and the Omega, and so this all begins with you, and it's all going to end with you. And so we thank you so much for your son and, and, and all that you've done. We just pray for all of us, including myself. I'm convicted even as I share tonight that we would seriously consider what it means to be a student, what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. That we would consider things like plans and community and where the gospel fits in our life. Some of us have just taken the gospel and said, yeah, that's what saved me. And now I'm kind of trying to figure it out on my own. Help us to, to wrap ourselves back in the gospel, as it were, to do what Jeff did. Just to be kind of, to realize that there's so many parts and pieces to this. Thank you that as we pray for this, your Holy Spirit is in us, leading us, prompting us, guiding us, convicting us, and leading us into all righteousness. It's in your son's precious name, the source of the gospel, we say amen. Amen. I think that's how we...